This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. We like to think of rural areas and farm country as a safe place to live. That may be the case, but it is still a location where crime can take place, and in some cases, the types of crimes are unique to that area. We take a look at how a criminal might view your farm and home. What is it they see that you don't? And how can you help prevent becoming a target? It's our topic for this week's Farm in the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. If you pay for nitrogen, you want to make sure you get what you pay for. As a farmer, I want a predictable, productive, and weatherproof option, but that can be hard to find. You get that predictability with Pivot Bioproven 40 OS, a reliable form of nitrogen delivered during the most critical growth periods. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. For the past three years, Pivot Bio has offered U.S. corn growers a product that is applied through an in-furrow application. Now, Pivot Bioproven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. I'm using Proven 40 OS, and I hope you'll check it out as well. Visit pivotbio.com for more information. Many of us have been the target of crime sometime in our lives. It could be a theft that takes place in the night far from our home, or it could be something far more personal. No matter the crime, we'd all like to avoid it. Trooper Austin Kings is a criminal investigator and rural crimes investigator with the Missouri Highway Patrol. Although he works the show-me state, his knowledge of rural crime is something that applies to many areas of our country. I learned a lot from a recent program he presented, so I made time to sit down and interview him and share his crime prevention tips a lot of ideas and trends that I was glad to know to help me keep the farm and family safe. Visiting with Austin Kings, and Austin, you have, I think, somewhat unique title uh, within law enforcement here. I'm just going to have you talk about what division you help head up and, and why that division is important to a lot of us out in farm country. Sure. Uh, I'm part of the Rural Crimes Investigative Unit uh, that's associated with the Missouri State Highway Patrol. Uh, my position within the Highway Patrol is a criminal investigator within the Division of Drug and Crime Control. And kind of the best way to understand that is the Division of Drug and Crime Control is the Highway Patrol's detective division, more or less. And so within that division, I work as a criminal investigator, and then I kind of have a, a dual hat of being a rural crimes investigator. In general, what types of crimes may be somewhat unique to rural areas as opposed to others because you have a division just to handle that so there's obviously some things that you tend to cover more than some others sure um you know most rural crimes what we consider rural crimes are kind of ag related and a lot of those crimes uh, refer specifically to thefts uh, burglaries kind of some ag related fraud type crimes so when we talk about rural crimes those are the crimes that we're actually uh, talking about We'll jump into to some of what you're seeing out there. Let's let's talk theft first, because I think as a farmer myself, I think about that of, okay, what might be out there that people want? Some of them are sure items that we've heard of, and some we say, oh, I hadn't really thought about that. What are you seeing out there that is maybe hot items in, the, in theft? Yeah, um, it's interesting. Uh, when it comes to theft, it's really kind of market-dependent. 
So whatever the markets are doing, that's kind of what the hot item is. And so uh, we kind of see the same trends that are always popular. Uh, one, for example, is equipment theft. Equipment theft is always always going on. It occurs all hours of the day. Um, and it occurs, uh, people are stealing things, every from, everything from, you know, small trailers to uh, tractors, uh, heavy equipment, uh, and even, you know, chainsaws, hand tools, um, small generators, cutting torches, those types of things. You know, people are out there and they'll steal pretty much anything they get their hands on, anything they can, they think they can make some money on. And I suppose those items are fairly consistent over time. They're always items that are fairly interesting, I guess you would say, for people that are on the, the wrong side of the law. Yeah, um, there's a, an organization out there called National Equipment Registry, and they kind of track a lot of those things. And every now and then they'll put out flyers when it comes to holiday weekends about the types of things that are traditionally stolen on those holiday weekends. But kind of the big item, big ticket items are typically uh, lawnmowers, skid steers, uh, side-by-sides, uh, four-wheelers. Those types of items are typically the most uh, heavily stolen items. What about things that we may not think of right at the forefront, you know, metals and things like that, copper and so forth, that maybe that is still big. But I know out on the farm, we used to always hear about people wanting to go after some of that metal. What are you finding in those areas? Yeah, that's always a popular item, and especially when the prices go up. Um, Copper thefts are always uh, up and down depending on the prices. The... um, they take the copper. It can be from farm uh, buildings, outbuildings, uh, abandoned houses, those types of things. And uh, a lot of times the pivot uh, irrigation systems, you know, whenever copper prices go up, those irrigation systems, those motors are typically one of the places they hit you. You think they can go out in the middle of the night, and if there's a tall field of corn out there, they can be out there all night and nobody will even see them. And then kind of related to copper thefts, obviously, uh, metal theft, within metal theft, uh, catalytic converter thefts have, have been kind of something we've seen an increase of over the last couple of years. And uh, it varies by area in the state, but uh, we see those pretty regularly now and then. Is it any certain types of vehicles that are more susceptible to that, or what do I need to be thinking about when it comes to catalytic converters? Yeah, so typically, uh, first, catalytic converters are, are sought after because there's there's three types of metal in them that are, are precious metals, rhodium, platinum, and palladium. And so there's very small amounts of those metals inside the catalytic converters, but the prices for those metals is what drives the market of that catalytic converter. And so um, catalytic converters come in different sizes based on the type of vehicle you have, and typically the larger vehicle, the larger catalytic converter you have. Um, no, that's not always the case because there are some converters that uh, have higher amounts of those precious metals in them. But, uh, you know, typically uh, big farm trucks are something that they seek out because vehicles that set up higher off the ground um, and are easily accessible are vehicles that they look into. And typically, uh, you know, like E350 vans and F350 trucks and those those types of vehicles are, are vehicles they seek out just because they're easy to access and they have a high amount of metal in, in those catalytic converters. I know we're going to talk about some specific ways to deter theft, but before we get off of catalytic converters, are there any things that we should be thinking about that helps prevent that theft other than, okay, I want to take that vehicle inside, you know, it's, it's not easily acceptable or accessible. Are there any things I should be thinking about to help prevent those types of thefts? You know, a lot of times these thefts occur along the interstate, so vehicles get broke down, they get left along the interstate or in commuter lots. 
Um, sometimes they'll sneak onto private property and cut them out, but I think, uh, you know, parking in a, a lighted area, um, marking your catalytic converter, either get under there with some bright orange spray paint and spray that. That's kind of a deterrent that, that we've seen work in some areas. And then they do make these uh, catalytic converter kind of cages that are cable cages that fit on your exhaust system and uh, kind of wrap around there, just make it a little bit more difficult for them to, to steal. I want to jump over to livestock, but before I do, are there any other things thinking about the metals, the catalytic converters, those types of things, equipment that you're seeing that are trends on, on farms up there? Um, as far as trending, I think, uh, you know, like I said, tractors, uh, lawnmowers, um, side-by-sides are just something that's really popular for people to steal. They can get rid of those pretty quickly. Um, but uh, those seem to be kind of the main items that get stolen the most. You know, maybe I should ask before we jump off of that, if I'm out there looking to purchase something like that from somebody, how do I make sure that I'm not buying something that is stolen? Sure, that can be difficult. Um, sometimes there's some telltale signs, you know, if it looks freshly painted, um, look into that. Um, all uh, items have a, a product identification number on there, which is kind of the equivalent to a, a VIN plate on a vehicle. Um, and so check those those pin plates. Make sure that uh, the plate is there. A lot of times you can go online and do the research and find out where you should look for that pin plate and kind of what uh, sequence it should be in. If anything looks off, uh, you know, you can always call your local sheriff's department, call us, and, and just ask us if we can run that, that number and we can check to see if it is stolen, if we know about it being stolen, which is sometimes the hard thing because uh, a lot of times they steal them and they, they go sell them before it can be reported as stolen or before it's identified. So that's uh, that can be a difficult part of that. Livestock is something that I think all of us as livestock producers think about. Some of us have experienced theft. We can get over to fraud in a moment, but as far as what we would think about actual cattle rustling or taking livestock out of pens and pastures, are we still seeing a lot of that? Uh, what has been happening? Because certainly those animals are worth a lot these days. Sure, um, and that's kind of one thing that is, is very market dependent, obviously. Uh, I think when we talk about livestock thefts, mostly the thing that comes to mind, and in, in, in my mind mostly, because that's what I see the most, is, is cattle thefts. Um, we don't, you know, we had a case several years ago where one of the investigators worked a, a piglet theft where, uh, you know, a, an employee at a, a hog farm was disgruntled about whatever and ended up stealing some piglets and had no reason to have them other than she just wanted to take them from the farm. But uh, I think when it comes to livestock thefts, those things kind of happen intermittently. Uh, when prices go up, we do see a lot more of that. Um, and then you kind of mentioned fraud. We do see oftentimes when prices go up too, we'll see some fraudulent kind of insurance fraud type crimes when it comes to cattle theft where they, they report them as being stolen and uh, try to get paid out. Uh, not giving anybody any ideas out there because that is illegal, but um, that's kind of the, the trend that we do see from time to time. And, uh, you know, cattle thefts are difficult to investigate for, for several reasons. Uh, a lot of times they're just in remote locations. Um, and it, it occurs overnight, so by the time the, the farmer gets out there in the morning to check his cows and, and go through them, they're gone, and he doesn't really know how long they've been gone, and you think, you know, if it's six hours or whatever, you can be in another state pretty easily uh, and, and go off and sell those to a, a yard somewhere, and it, virtually those cattle are gone. You know, it's very difficult to track those cattle, especially if in the rural areas we don't always have a lot of leads to go off of and a lot of evidence to use to, to find out who did it. When you think about preventing crime, certainly there's one thing about things that are maybe at my property or in a shed or in a house. But when it comes to livestock, do you find anything that helps prevent those types of thefts? Because you're right, you could be dealing with a lot of acreage that's far from a home or a light or anything like that. 
Yeah, I think uh, having having good locks on your gates is is going to be a key one. And uh, one thing that I kind of want to talk about, you know, we we always a lot of times you've got a double gate. You know, you put a chain around there and just put a lock through the chain or however. And a lot of those chains are easy to cut and that type of thing. Um, you know, one suggestion that I have is if you got two gates coming together, they make those uh, U-shaped bicycle locks that are, you know, they're not uh, indestructible and they are they. They can help deter people just because of their their strength, and they're a little bit harder to to break through and cut through. And you know, anything that causes a thief to waste more time doing one thing is that much more of a chance that someone could come driving down the road and and completely deter the crime from happening. So, really, you're buying time with a device like that that uh, makes them work a little bit harder to get what they're looking. And then, obviously, uh, you know, camera systems. Uh, trail cams are so prevalent these days you can go just about anywhere and buy them and um, you know setting those up across from your gates near your gates and trying to get good camera uh, pictures is is definitely helps us yeah well with those cameras are there any things i need to think about about how good of a camera i need because obviously you need to see (laughs) some detail that's going to help you out to have a a more detail that you can yeah absolutely um you know it goes back and forth, but the higher resolution cameras, uh, higher megapixels, those types of things, a lot of times uh, they'll have images on the boxes anymore. You can go online and read reviews about the cameras, but you want to try and get a camera that can get a clear picture from a good distance. You know, um, one thing that, that I talk about when I give presentations, I, I show several pictures of uh, camera footage or, you know, screenshots from cameras where you look at it and, yeah, you can see there's there's someone there or you can see there's a vehicle there, but outside of that it's just so blurry you can't really obtain any useful information from it. And so it's important that you get a camera system that, that does have a higher resolution, high, higher pixels that, you know, sometimes you can get a license plate number off that or at least a, a, a good vehicle description, maybe some identifying marks on the vehicle, be it uh, damage or, you know, bumper stickers or anything like that. Yeah. What about just in general? Maybe it's items that I have close to my home or sheds and so forth. What are some of the tips? Sometimes they aren't big tips, but things we just don't think about that help deter thieves. Sure. Um, what we always recommend is kind of a, a three-prong thing. You know, light it up, lock it up, and, and put some cameras on it. That's kind of what we go to. Uh, there's so many battery-powered camera systems out there and uh, solar-powered lights that you can put a motion cam- motion sensor light just about anywhere um, that you need to. Uh, a lot of times that light will just that light coming on deters people because uh, then they start thinking, well, maybe there's a camera here that's capturing this too. And so... Um, light it up, you know, lock it up. If you can, put a lock on on it. Uh, lock your vehicles. Uh, don't leave the keys in it. I know growing up in rural Missouri here, uh, we always left keys in vehicles, and, and very rarely do we even lock the, the you know, front door when we were gone, you know. But uh, anymore, you got to do that, and it's unfortunate it is that way. But, uh, you know, lock, lock the doors. Don't leave keys and things. Uh, lock up your equipment. If you got a shed, you know, put a lock on there. Um, like I said, the, the U-shaped bicycle locks are, are handy to use just because they, they are a little bit uh, harder to get into. And then another lock that I know from personal experience that uh, is very strong is I think they call it a discus lock. And it's kind of one of those round locks that has just a limited portion at the top where the shackle actually shows. And uh, I've seen uh, had, to, had to cut a couple of those several times, and I can tell you they take the, the long set of bolt cutters to, to get that broken. So they're... They're very strong, and uh, I think they're a good a good choice as well. Um, and then, as far as cameras, we kind of talked about that, but uh, 
Yeah, just just buy a good camera. Anymore, they sell uh, cameras that have SIM cards in them, and you can pay a monthly subscription price that it'll send a picture straight to your phone, you know, as soon as it takes that picture. And so something like that is going to get the jump on someone stealing from you, and you're going to be able to call and, and get uh, sheriff's office out there or whoever out there relatively quickly and, and potentially stop that crime or catch that criminal. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that I'm rambling on here, but – we see repeatedly in, in rural crimes, you know, um, it, it's a lot of the same people carrying out multiple crimes. And so uh, you catch one, you don't know how, how far out that extends, how many crimes they've committed. And so getting those leads and those cameras and, and clues to help us figure out who it is is very important. Those committing those crimes, do they tend to be folks that, from rural areas that know those areas fairly well? Or does it tend to be strangers or is it all across the board? It's kind of all across the board. Um, I've seen seen it both ways. A lot of times people are from that area. They drive around and they see, you know, what you have out there. They may be driving by and just see it one day and then notice when you're not there and, and go take those items. Um, also seen it where can't can't draw a connection between the victim and the suspect at all, and it just they were out driving around and saw something they wanted and decided to take it. Uh, I think a lot of times when it comes to livestock thefts, you know, that's kind of a more personal thing where they're going to know what type of herd you got or what type of animals you got and so they're probably someone that you've you've dealt with or has been around Um, and so that kind of brings me to another another point of protecting yourself you know be a good neighbor Um, if you see something say something Uh, one recommendation we give is you know keep a notepad in your side by side or you know right there on the dash of your vehicle with a pen and if you see suspicious vehicles in the area just kind of hanging out you know, write down a license plate number because that's going to be the quickest way that we can track people down and, and find them yeah. if something does go missing. We've tended to focus mostly on theft, but other rural crimes that are important. I know that you've talked about drug use in the past, and that's something that, uh, unfortunately, rural areas tend to have drug use and so forth. What do you see out there in rural areas now with drugs? You know, uh, it, Years ago, everybody was uh, worried about the clandestine methamphetamine labs. You know, we don't see much of that anymore. Um, most narcotics that are out there are now purchased. It's it's a lot cheaper for them to get it from Mexico, and it's imported and everything. But uh, methamphetamine is kind of a uh, it's been a drug of choice around Missouri and the Midwest for a long time. Um, now I think most people have probably heard about fentanyl being out there and being laced and things. So we're seeing more and more of that. Um, on the kind of criminal side that I also work, you know, we've we've seen multiple overdoses from fentanyl. Um, it's out there. And then, uh, you know, obviously marijuana is out there, legalized here in, in Missouri now. But, uh, you know, that's that's out there. And I, my personal opinion, you know, I think people are still going to be growing it here and there. And, um, you know, that's kind of the drug trends that we see, the ongoing drug trends. With your job then, how do you investigate these crimes? Is it many times your ability to talk to multiple sheriff's departments and begin to coordinate because a lot of this property is moving over large spans of uh, miles and livestock selling in different uh, jurisdictions and so forth? How do you investigate and and try to solve those crimes? Yeah, so uh, we work really closely with sheriff's departments. A lot of times that's kind of where we get some of our cases from is, uh, you know, a sheriff's department will get a call about something and uh, they may be at their wits' end or may not have the manpower to work on those types of things. So a lot of times they'll call us and ask us to assist them with that. Um, As far as us working on it, it's a lot of networking, and that's kind of one thing that 
Um, being the Highway Patrol Rural Crimes Unit, we kind of have a big network of various agencies that we can work with and sometimes just know about resources that local uh, law enforcement agencies don't always know about. And so we, we kind of pull as many resources as we need to. A lot of it is networking. Um, like you mentioned, and one thing that makes rural crimes hard to investigate is it covers such a large geographic area. And sure, I work here in Missouri, but you know a lot of times these things cross state lines. And so um, one kind of advantage that, that I have being a, a state trooper is uh, having such a large geographic area that I work in, a lot of times I'll know about uh, a crime that occurred in, we'll say, the northern part of, of Troop F, uh, which, you know, Audrain, Boone County, and then I may know about an instance that occurred in, you know, southern Troop I, Dent County or Crawford County, which uh, for anyone not familiar with those areas, those are two, three hours apart. Um, drive time and and sometimes local agencies just can't keep up with uh, the information sharing that that is necessary so that's uh, one way that we are able to kind of investigate crimes is information sharing and connecting other agencies together with information that can help solve those crimes. Do you find for folks in farm country, are we good about reporting crimes and things like we should? Because you can only do as much as with the information you have. So what tips do you give us on being in touch with law enforcement when we need to be? Sure. I think um, a lot of times it, it, it depends on what the crime is. You know, uh, for example, catalytic converters, when those kind of started going up, I say I started. I saw a rise. I'd say in 2020, kind of during the COVID thing, and I think initially a lot of those were getting reported. And then you know after a while, it's kind of like, well, my converter's gone. They're not going to find the guy. I'm not going to report it. So it really depends. Um, when it comes to equipment theft, you got to get that reported. Um, that that goes in a database, and those numbers show that that it's been stolen for quite a while. Um, if you make an insurance claim, you know that goes into another database that law enforcement can have access to and can look and see if if a a specific uh, serial number or item number was made an insurance claim a lot of times we can find it that way Um, i worked a case a while back and uh, it was a theft that i worked and the landowner actually had trail cams out that got great pictures of the suspects and the suspect vehicle Um, from the time i got the call of it it took all of about one day to track down the suspects and uh, we found out that they had taken, they, they stole a trailer and some other items, uh, taken it to one of their relative's houses and stored it in the shed there. Well, we went to talk to the relative, and uh, he takes us out to the shed and says, well, they brought it out here. I didn't didn't know it was stolen. Um, we start looking at the trailer and kind of looking around. Well, here in the shed's a, a four-wheeler. And so looking at that, I, I asked the property owner about it. Well, where'd that come from? Well, they dropped that off several years ago. And, you know, come to find out that four-wheeler was stolen four years prior, and here it is in the shed. And so um, my point is it's important to, to report those things. That way we can also track kind of the trends that are going on and know what's being stolen. But, uh, you know, there's a chance that long down the road someone may find something and uh, we can get it back to you. Uh, one thing that, that people... They report them, but what's important is writing down your serial numbers of items and recording those PIN numbers. One of our investigators worked a crime where he ended up recovering 105 firearms that, you know, this guy wasn't supposed to have. He was a felon in possession of firearms. But uh, when it came down to it, people didn't document their serial numbers on their firearms. So when we go running those serial numbers, we have no record of who they belong to. Um, Contrary to maybe some popular beliefs out there, we don't have a big 
database of uh, firearms that we can just go pull from and find out who purchased these firearms and all that. So whenever you don't document those, those serial numbers and you don't report those crimes, a lot of times we can't give you your property back. So it's important to always report what's missing. Are there any other trends or just things that you think would be important for folks to know that you're seeing because you deal with this uh, every day? So what are the things that we need to be thinking about? One other trend maybe that uh, is worth mentioning is kind of phone scams. Um, a lot of times these phone scams occur in rural areas and they'll target uh, elder, uh, elderly folks. Um, I worked several of those cases and ended up tying those together, and they came back to that uh, networking with other agencies. But uh, one of those deals where an older gentleman got a phone call and said, Grandpa, I'm in jail, and I need some money. And Grandpa said, well, you don't sound like you. What's wrong? Oh, well, allergy season, you know, I got a cold, this or that. And um, these these people were brazen enough to actually send a courier out to pick up the money from him. So I think uh, that's a trend that kind of comes and goes, and we see it in waves. But it's best practice, you know, if you don't don't go pick up a large amount of money and just give it to someone you don't know. Never provide your banking account information to someone over the phone, and just be leery of anybody calling and asking you for personal information uh, or banking information, anything like that. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can follow Farm in the Countryside and our daily show, American Countryside, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just type in Farming the Countryside or American Countryside. And remember, you can hear these shows in a variety of ways at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or your favorite podcast platform. If you miss one of our shows, just use those platforms to go back and catch other topics of interest as well. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.